The Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. I'm starting from the second verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it reads as follows. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered him, and said, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out and see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. God's word for God's people and God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. <laughs> amen. So, I've been thinking a lot about how I interact with people. And one thing that I've noticed that people tend to appreciate more than anything else, not just with me, but just in general, is, is uh, being real, being authentic. You can, you can tolerate a lot of things about a person, but if you find out they're a liar, it becomes real hard to deal with them, amen? And not just about telling lies, so I shouldn't just make it about lies, but just being authentic, saying what's really on your mind, saying how you really feel, not just pumping somebody up. And I thought about that a lot when I was looking at this passage. Because I've learned that people will follow someone that is authentic. They'll follow somebody that is real. And when you tend to find out something is not real, that changes your whole opinion about it. John was having that sort of moment right now in the text. John was having a moment of doubt. So he sent some men to Jesus to find out what was really going on. John was in jail for talking about a man named Herod. Herod wanted to marry somebody that Jewish law prohibited. 
and I believe they were related, but he was in prison for talking about that. He was in prison for speaking truth to power. Uh, That is why they often say that pastors should not be political because you have to be able to call both Republicans and Democrats on their stuff. But John spoke truth to power and he was punished for it. Kind of like a president not being able to handle people talking about them and getting mad about it. John was worried because he was spending his time in jail and he began to think, was it really worth it? And I can relate to John. You know, you try to tell people things for their own good and they do exactly the opposite of what you said because they feel like they know better about the situation than you, even though you're really trying to help that person. I must be by myself. I've never, I must be the only person that's had to tell somebody something. You see them running right into a brick wall and you're like, hey, you're not going to win against this brick wall, but they're going to punch the gas anyway. And so John the Baptist has been telling these people to prepare ye the way of the Lord. And some people listened and some people didn't. And some people who didn't listen put him in jail behind it. And so he's wondering while he's sitting in jail, was this really worth it? Did I back the right horse? Am I backing the right person? Why? Because everybody at this time and their mama was running around talking about they was the Messiah. Some of them were going to war with the Romans and got killed. Some of them were claiming that they were the chosen ones. There were multiple people almost every other year. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. I'm here to free the people of God. And then they find out they're not. So it would be okay to doubt when you're sitting in jail thinking about this because we're human. We as Christians have to realize that we have emotions too. We can, we can try to pretend like we don't get mad. We can try to pretend like we won't have disagreements. But that is not the truth. If we were to be authentic with each other and realize that sometimes our stuff stinks. Sometimes there's people I don't get along with. Sometimes there's people I have issues with. If you could be real about it and face each other about those issues, you'd be that much better off. Amen. So John was having doubt. Sometimes when things are not going the way you planned them, sometimes it gets hard. You start to question yourself. Is this really worth it? John was wondering, was he doing the right thing? So he made a request of Jesus or a request to Jesus. John was sitting here wondering, was he doing the right thing being out in the wilderness? John was wondering, was he doing the right thing eating a diet of locusts and honey? John was wondering if he was doing the right thing, wearing a a camel hair and a leather belt, telling people to repent because the kingdom of God was at hand. So he sent his disciples there to ask Jesus, was this the right one or should I wait on somebody else? And they asked if he was really the Messiah. It's, no, it's okay for John to have disciples. I've come across some people who had issues with that word. But disciple just means student. And so John had some people as he was teaching the word of God that, that followed behind him. They were his students. So he sent some of his students to Jesus to see was this really worth it. Am I backing the right person? Am I doing the right thing? 
And so that's what they come upon when Jesus, in chapter 11, when Jesus is out there teaching and some people from John come and ask, are you the one or should we search for another? And so John made a request to Jesus and Jesus provided reassurance. Let the church say reassurance. The action of removing someone's doubts or fears. Uh, They say that one of the best ways to rear children is to provide them with reassurance. Provide them with the structure. Let them know that something is going okay. A reassurance is a statement or a comment that removes the doubts or fears. And so the proof for John was in Jesus' response. They tell John, or John's disciples rather, John's disciples are told to tell John about all the miracles that they see going on. Jesus is paraphrasing. His response is a paraphrase of Isaiah. He says, go tell John what you hear and see. So go tell John what you hear and see meant that they had been around long enough to see him do it. Tell them that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel or the good news brought to them. He's paraphrasing what he'll go into the synagogue later to read and actually read the scroll around uh, Isaiah 61. Matthew only really covers it in chapter 13. And and, and Mark covers it in chapter 6. But they just say that he went to the synagogue, read the scroll, and and taught. But Luke actually gives you what he taught. If you go to Luke 4, 16 and 21, it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up as his custom. He went into the synagogue. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. So Jesus went to church. Hello. As was his custom, which meant he did it on a regular basis. So if Jesus knows to come to church on a regular basis, and this is Jesus, who are we not to come to church on a regular basis? And so it says, he, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the, Saturday, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he, uh, he, uh, when he had handed the book, and when he opened the book, He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who have been oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down And the eyes of all those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, the day This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So they asked Jesus, was he the Messiah? And his answer was what he had done. He didn't try to claim any kind of status 
He didn't try to claim any kind of economic prowess. He didn't try to claim anything. They said, are you the Messiah? And he said, look at what I've done. If only we could take that much more of an approach to more things in the body of Christ. We kind of get relaxed upon our status. And that's why so many churches are closing down because they get relaxed upon their status. They think because they're in a prime neighborhood location. They think because they've been around a long time. They think that because they've achieved some sort of status that that is what's supposed to be happening. But then again, we have to look at the example of Jesus. They asked if Jesus was the Messiah and he says, look at what I'm doing. So if someone were to ask if we were the church, our response should be, look at what we are doing. And I know it's kind of hard to respond to that if you ain't doing nothing. And so he, we need to look at what we are doing. This gives us pause so we look at how we judge our own ministries. What is actually being done? Jesus didn't respond to the disciples by telling them, hey, I'm the son of God. Don't you know who I am? He could have. And he'd have been right to do so because he's reached that kind of status. But he's providing an example for us. What are we doing? If you never told anybody you were a Christian, would they be able to tell by your actions? My Lord. But it also gives us pause to look at certain things. And so when we don't feel like going on, when we feel like our, we are at the end of our rope, when we are worried about whether or not we are doing the right things, we ought to be able to look at what Jesus has done for us. And we should be able to look at what Jesus has done for us and be thankful for all that's been done and be reminded of all the blessings that we have. That he woke us up this morning and started us on our way, provided food on our table, clothes on our back, roofs over our heads, good loving families. We could have all been dead, sleeping in our graves right now, but God saw fit for us to see another day. So we ought to be able to look at what's been done for us and use that to move forward. And so we move from that and then we go to the praise of John. As the, 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 the disciples have understood what they've got going on and they've been told about what Jesus is doing, they're going to take the proof that they've gotten back to John to let him know to keep going on because God is opening up blinded eyes. He's healing yeah. the sick. He's raising the dead. He's preaching the good news to the poor. So you are backing the right person. There's no need to search for another. What's going on is what happens right now. And then I look at that and we go from the, 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 the proof that John has been provided to John being praised. Amen. Let the church say praise. praise. Jesus says that uh, John is one of history's greatest men. Uh, he, he, he says, surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But even though he's the greatest among the men, it still says that, but he was the least Come in the on. kingdom. Yeah. It's still greater than John. So John is great, but he's, he's great as a part of something that is much greater. And that's how we ought to be. We ought to not be concerned about our own positions. We ought not be concerned about our own status, but understanding that no matter how great 
we are, we are still a part of something bigger. And so he spoke well of John. You know, talking about the, the being authentic and being real and, and, and all of that good stuff, I've learned lately that my greatest friends, my closest friends, they're my closest friends because of how they talk when I'm not around. All right, yeah, yeah. See, the text says that, that uh, John's disciples had gone back to, cha- to tell to tell John what Jesus has said, and, and they're leaving. And Jesus still has good things to say about him. Yeah, I, I, one of my closest friends became recently my closest friend based on an argument. I was at a particular place, and I had been brought there to do a specific job. And do that job I did. But yet and still, that, uh, other people thought that since I was there, I should have dropped what I was doing to go assist this other issue. I was brought in to cover for somebody that was out sick. And so they said, I need you to go do A, B, and C. And because I was there, they thought, some other people thought, rather, not the person that asked me to come cover for them, the other people thought, well, since I was there, I should have been taking care of them and taking care of their needs instead of what I had been asked to come do. And my newest, closest friend heard some people bad-mouthing me about that. I was nowhere to be found. And so he heard some people bad-mouthing me. He was like, hold on. Why are you getting on Johnny about not taking care of this, this, and this? He wasn't even here for that. That's not what he came for, and you don't know what he, well, he should have did this. Hold on. Let's stop talking about it right now. Let's go right around the corner and see Johnny about this, since you have an issue with it. Lo and behold, they didn't want to come around the corner to talk to Johnny, so it, it, it never got resolved. But because that person was able to defend me when I was there, they went up a few notches in my book. And I spent a whole lot more time around those type of people because I don't really care about people talking about me and you bringing it back to me. What I care about is why they were so comfortable enough to say that in your presence. And then I want to know what you said in response. So if they talking about me behind my back, are you signing? Are you co-signing? Are you adding to the gossip? Or are you defending me? And so Jesus here provides a good opportunity, a good example. Not that I would ever assume Jesus to be petty. But here he's got a perfect opportunity. A perfect opportunity as they left to talk about John. He could have talked about John for having doubt. He could have talked about John for sending some people to ask him, was he really the Messiah? But no, he spoke well of this man. He, re- he, he reassured him and spoke well of him. Are we reassuring people that talk to us? Are we speaking well of them after they leave? Hello, 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 hello. And so he says that John is one of the greatest men. And he speaks well about him. He defends John. 
for anybody that may have been offended about John coming up to Jesus or sending disciples to Jesus asking him, was he the one? We ought to be able to handle a little bit of questioning. Everybody ain't grown up in the church. Everybody ain't grown up around the church and around pastors and around this God thing that we keep talking about. So if somebody has a couple questions, is this really the Messiah? Is this Jesus all you really crack, you say he's cracked up to be? Is this Jesus really all that we supposed to have? You ought to be able to handle a few questions. And not only that, you ought to be able to speak well. Speak well to not only those around you, but speak well to those people that are coming new. Jesus is providing that example. He had plenty of opportunity to bash John, but he didn't. He stuck up for him and provided reassurance, removed all the doubts and spoke well of him. And said that he's one of the greatest, his, greatest men in history, but he was still a part of something bigger. And so even that he was the biggest, one of the greatest in history, he's still small compared to the kingdom of God. Amen. And then he asked them, what did you go out into the wilderness for? Did you go for reeds? Did you go for soft garments? The text says soft garments. Other translations say silk robes. What, what were you going for? funny thing is, is when he talks about reeds, when he talks about reeds, the, 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 the coins of that time had a picture of a reed swaying in the Jordan Valley. And those soft robes that he's talking about, that's what the people of those times wore. The Herodidian coins at the time had a symbol of a reed of the Jordan Valley, and those who wore those robes were, were, were inherits fortress palace so he's asking did you go into the wilderness looking for government solutions did you go into the wilderness looking for who's going to be the next king or the next president or the next governor did you go into the wilderness looking for money to solve your problems the people went into the wilderness looking for political and economic answers but found a spiritual one they came looking for a president and found a prophet. All right. So it doesn't matter who's the mayor, who's on the PTO, who's on the city council, who's our state governors, who's our senators, who's our state representatives, who's our federal senators, who's the president. God is still on the throne. And he's on the throne and he loves us. And so we ought not be concerned about what's going on economically. We still need to be good stewards of our money, but we need to not be that concerned about the economic situation or the political situation. We ought to understand that God is still in control. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall she not freely give us all things? Who shall lay down a in the thing to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns if Christ has died, yea, rather he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God and maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written. For thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Jesus speaks well of us. Jesus provides us reassurance. Jesus is covering us and removing all doubt. We ought not search for another one because the one that was the right one has already came. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No need to search for another one. The right one has already came. He was born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. But he died for our sins and he rose up on the third day again. He's the right one. We ought not search for another. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.